He is a gifted minister, but more than that, he is truly a man of God. He is a gifted minister, but more than that, he is truly a man of God that seeks the mind of God and has blessed me and many congregations down through the years. And what a privilege it is to have him tonight. And I'm believing one more time we're going to have an encounter with God. And God's going to make us. God's going to make you young people in the spiritual leaders that he desires you to be. The wonderful saints of God. Would you stand right now and lift your hands and ask the Lord to speak to you tonight as we invite Brother Weeks to this pool. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Come on, let's let the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Ooh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Ooh, thank God, thank God, thank God. Hallelujah. How many is happy to be at this youth rally tonight? Praise God. I come to give the Lord glory tonight, didn't you? I come to feel his presence. Come to give him worship. Praise God. Amen. So good to be here. Good to see all of these young folks uh, that's excited about being in church. Amen. Excited about being in church. No place that we'd rather be than right here in the house of God. Not wanting to be at a ball game tonight. Not wanting to be at the bar tonight. No club. No, no, no. I'm glad to be in the house of God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Amen. Give honor to all these uh, wonderful ministers here and uh, great preachers here tonight, much more capable than I am. We'll stand up here and, and preach. We give honor to all of the, the uh, pastors here and all of the ministers. Also give honor to um, Pastor Shields and family for 23 years. And I know that they have been trouble-free, worry-free, care-free 23 years. Amen. And uh, I thank God for a man of God who will stand in the pulpit, service to service, week to week. Amen. With a burden and with a, a love for the people of God. Amen. And I was just teasing. I'm sure there have been uh, plenty of valleys and tough times and tough battles, but God sees us through it. Amen. And God will see you through it if you'll stand with your pastor, your man of God. God will give us the strength that we need. Praise God. Amen. Praise the Lord. I'm reading tonight Isaiah chapter number 30. Isaiah chapter number 30 and verse number 18 is where I'd like to read this evening. And uh, I'd I'm, I'm not quite prepared, but here I am. I, um, I was trying to get ready, and my good friend, Brother Smith, showed up and knocked on the door, and it didn't bother him at all that I was trying to get ready. And then Brother Shields showed up with a bunch of fried chicken, 
and you know how preachers are about fried chicken. And it was Fausto's fried chicken. Woo, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So uh, you guys are going to get the short version tonight. So, but I, I did feel that the Lord had given me some direction uh, for this service. It's not just enough to stand up and preach. It's not just enough to, to take time and speak a few words. Amen. But the will of God is the most important thing. That's what's most important. Amen. Amen. Praise God. That's the most important thing. And this is my first time to be in this church. Uh, first time to be in this pulpit and be here. Uh, I'm so honored. I was raised just right down the road, across the river in Texas. And uh, it took me a long time to get an invitation. It took a long time. And I, uh, matter of fact, I hinted around. And every time I got around Brother Shields, I'd take my calendar out and go through it, you know. And I'm teasing. I'm teasing. But uh, it is good to be here. Good to be here. And uh, thanks to my friend, Brother Townley, introducing me tonight. And will you help me preach for just a little bit? Praise God. Amen. Isaiah, Isaiah chapter number 30. Uh, I appreciate my daughter, Abby, riding over here with me. I love her. I'm proud of her. And uh, I saw my mom and dad out there somewhere. And uh, glad that they are here. Isaiah chapter number 30, verse number 18. Therefore the Lord will wait that he may be gracious unto you. And therefore will he be exalted, that he may have mercy upon you, for the Lord is a God of judgment. Blessed are all they that wait for him. For the people shall dwell in Zion at Jerusalem. Thou shalt weep no more. He will be very gracious unto thee at the voice of thy cry. When he shall hear it, he will answer thee. And though the Lord give you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, yet shall not thy teachers be removed into a corner anymore. But thine eyes shall see thy teachers, and thine ears shall hear a word behind thee saying, This is the way, walk ye in it, when you turn to the right hand, and when you turn to the left. Hallelujah. I want to focus on verse number 20, 21, And thine ears shall hear a word behind thee. A word behind thee. And I'd like to preach to every young person in this place. I'd like to preach to young folks who are on fire for God and maybe some that are struggling. Young folks that have had the Holy Ghost for a long time and maybe some that have just received the Holy Ghost. Maybe some that do not yet have the Holy Ghost. I'd like to preach to you tonight that God has got your back. You've got a God that's behind you. God has got your back. I want to tell somebody you can make it. 
I don't know what you're facing tonight, but you can get through it. And you can win the fights, win the battle, be victorious in Jesus' name. Why don't we lift our voices, lift our hands, and ask the Lord to touch us today. God, we praise you. We bless you, Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, let's clap our hands and give the Lord praise again. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. God bless you tonight in Jesus' name. The Old Testament is largely a chronicle of the failures of the people of Israel. You will find throughout its pages, their repeated failure, their failure to live up to the commandments that God gave to them, especially long term, their failure to follow after one God wholeheartedly and unreservedly. You find their failure to, to really handle the blessings that God gave to them and their failure to handle prosperity and uh, continue to be obedient in all of the good things that God bestowed upon them. And so because of their failures, God had to repeatedly resort to extremes uh, to get their attention. God would allow uh, some things to happen at times to get them to turn back to him. He allowed their land to become invaded. He allowed their crops to be stolen and many of their treasures to be taken. He allowed at times their hearts to be broken simply because he wanted them to get back to trusting in him as they had in times past. And if you're not careful when you read all the things that, that they went through and that God allowed, it was not God failing them. It wasn't that God didn't have power. And it wasn't that God had never performed miracles in their midst. But it wasn't that God never moved in a mighty way on their behalf. It, it, it wasn't that He had never proved to them that He was the living God. The problem was they were so easily distracted in life. They were so easily distracted in living for God. There were always idols on the periphery that, were, that had easy access. There were always heathen nations around them that had, that had rituals and they had lifestyles that... Uh, were so alluring and so appealing to the Israelites that they just couldn't seem to peel their eyes away from what was going on around them. And, and there were things going on that would always take their focus away from godly priorities. That was their problem. Their problem was not the power of God. The problem was not that, that He was not the living God or that He was not able. The problem was 
they were continually prone to be drawn away by gods of stone that they could see and gods of wood and other materials that they could behold. And so it was what they could see that would distract them from keeping their focus on what they could not see. And it was also not that they were lacking in qualified leadership. Moses alone was probably the best leader that God uh, could find. And yet even in the era of Moses, the man that could stand up to Pharaoh, the man that could stand at the edge of the Red Sea and, and at a time of panic and crisis, look at all of the children of Israel and say, stand still and see salvation. See the salvation that only comes from God. This man was a leader. Amen. But even in the era of Moses, the Israelites, they stooped so low as to find a golden calf when God was not moving as quickly as they wanted him to and when Moses was not as available as they thought he should be. They quickly fell to distractions of idolatry. You can go even into the days of Elijah, probably one of the greatest prophets, one of the greatest, most powerful men, one of the most powerful anointings that you can find. Once again, there was no lack of God. There was no lack of the power. There was, no, there was nothing wrong with the anointing. It was just simply that people could get distracted so easily. A man that could call fire down from heaven. That's what Elijah was. And yet the nation of Israel in the middle of his ministry fell under the spell of Jezebel and her irresistible pull toward Baal worship. Amen. It wasn't that God wasn't available and it wasn't that there were, weren't capable leaders. It's just, it's just the natural tendency of the human mind to get distracted from what it ought to be focused on. Oh, can I preach tonight? Amen. And sometimes, sometimes they could even take what was good and what was wholesome, what was, what was righteous, what had been helpful and what had been beneficial to the people of God. They could turn that into an idol. You remember the brazen serpent that was lifted up in the wilderness when the children of Israel were plagued by fiery serpents and God, God had a way out. God had a solution. God had a remedy. He had Moses fashion a brazen serpent and had it lifted up high so that everyone that had been bitten and had been poisoned could just simply look to that standard. And if they could behold the brazen serpent, they could be healed and rescued from the, the plague. And yet it was just a, a little while until the people were not worshiping God. They had their eyes on the brazen serpent. They, they had their eyes on what God had used instead of their eyes on God himself. And, and it became a snare to Israel. It became a substitute. Amen. Instead of worshiping God, they just worshiped where God had been and what God had done and, and what God had used. Amen. It was another distraction. It, was a, it wasn't sin in itself, but it was a distraction away from God. And I don't know if there's ever been a time that there were more distractions than the moment that we are living in today. 
Uh, you know, I didn't, I didn't come to fuss at you and I didn't come to be negative tonight. But if I had everybody raise their hand that didn't bring their phone here tonight, there'd probably just be just a few. Because, oh, y'all don't get quiet on me now. Because, because distraction is always at our fingertips today. And so I'm just using that. I, I'm, just, I'm just using that as an example tonight to tell you it is a fight to maintain your focus on God. It's a fight. It's a fight to keep your eyes on God. Keep your eyes on what is right. And keep your eyes on the will of God tonight. Oh, I come to preach to you young folks. You want the word of the Lord to help you. Hallelujah. Amen. Because an idol, you can be seated, an idol is anything that takes the place of God. Anything that takes God's place in your life becomes an idol. They're just simply substitutes. They're just simply substitutes. Doesn't have to be something bad in itself. Doesn't have to be something terrible in itself. Amen. I think we ought to know what sin is and we ought to know what it looks like. And we should have heard plenty of preaching about it. But I want to talk about distractions a few moments here. Amen. Anything that takes God's place. Amen. Anything that substitutes God's place in our lives can become an idol. And I want to tell you that the devil has made available every type of substitute in our day today. They are available all around us. Amen. Substitutes for the church service and substitutes for your prayer life. Uh huh. Substitutes for this Holy Ghost experience. Ooh, hallelujah. I don't want anything to take God's place in my life. I don't want anything to nudge out my prayer time. I don't want anything to take away my joy. Amen. Of being in the house of the Lord. I want to be able to say with the psalmist, one thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after. Still got my focus on being in the house of God. There's no job more important than the house of God. There's no dollar amount per hour more important than the house of God. There's no college degree worth traded in my place in the house of God. There's no friend, no boyfriend, no girlfriend. Amen. Nobody worth hanging out with that takes my time with God. Amen. Amen. Because idols are simply God substitutes. They're simply God substitutes. Amen. We had a president get up a few years ago and say that America is not a Christian nation. Hallelujah. And I didn't come to politic tonight. If this was the year to do it, if, if, if I was going to do it, this is the year to do it. But, but uh, let me tell you something. The reason why it's not a Christian nation is because of all the God substitutes. All of the God substitutes that have been found today. Oh, 
but I want to tell young folks tonight, you don't have to turn to recreational drugs, and you don't have to turn to drinking till you lose your mind. Those are cheap God substitutes. Hallelujah. Your backslidden friend that's going out having a big time, they ought not be pulling on you, and you not, ought not be answering their phone calls and texting back to them. No, sir. Hey, man, unless you're telling them you, you see me at church, I'm not going where you are. You need what I've got. I've got the real thing. You have settled for a substitute. Amen. You can be seated. I believe that's what the Apostle Paul meant when he said, And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess. In, in other words, you're going to overdo it the world's way. You're not in control when you try it the world's way. You're not going to be disciplined enough to handle the world's way, wherein is excess. Be not drunk with wine. Don't tell me you can handle it. Don't tell me it's not going to get you. No, no, the world's way, wherein is excess. It's somewhere it's going to be too much for you to handle. But that's just a substitute. He said, be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. If you're tempted by the world, if you're tempted by sin, why don't you come on in this place and get filled up with the Holy Ghost? Because that's all the devil's got is just a cheap substitute of what the church has in the first place. Hallelujah. Amen. These things are just simply cheap substitutes. And they are desperate attempts at feeling better. And feeling good. And feeling a high. But in that high, there's always a downside. Oh, but I'm so glad in His presence there is fullness of joy. No downside. At his right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. No downside. There's joy unspeakable and full of glory. No downside. In him, there's a peace that passes all understanding. No downside. Hallelujah. Amen. Desperately trying to feel better, feel good, feel a high. But let me tell you what happens at church. Amen. The first service when the Holy Ghost was poured out. The visitors showed up and they just looked around at what was happening when the Holy Ghost was moving. And they said, what is this? Some kind of new wine? This some kind of new drug that we don't know anything about? Has something hit the market and we have missed out on uh, the announcement of what's happening? Ooh, hallelujah. Mm. We've seen people drunk before, but, but we've never quite seen anything like this. You know why? The devil don't have anything like this. You can't find it in a bottle. 
You can't find it in a can. You can't find it in a needle. You can't find it in a pill. You can't find it any other way. You can't snort it. No, 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 you can't inject it. But if you just get in here with all of your heart and get full of the Holy Ghost, that's the only thing that'll fill your emptiness. Hallelujah. Praise God. You can be seated. There's no high like the most high. (laughs) Don't tell me about your kind of high. I know about the most high. Mm, Thank you, Jesus. You know, you don't have to put on a team uniform and jog out onto the field and be a star to really have the thrill of victory and to really prove you're somebody or even to be a winner. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, and I don't know what your pastor preaches and, and whatever, whatever, but uh, let me tell you something. There's pressure on our kids today to join the team, to suit up. This is the winning team. This is the winning team. You want to be a winner? Amen. Hallelujah. Woo. Get in here and get your energy going right here in the house of God. You want to find an enemy, an adversary to beat? Let's beat the devil and all of his imps and all of his demons. Oh, hallelujah. I don't need a football helmet. I've got the helmet of salvation. I don't need shoulder pads. I got the breastplate of righteousness. I don't need your cleats. My feet have been shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. You wouldn't feel like you need that uniform if you'd get this uniform on and say, Pastor, tell me what needs to be done. If you need a coach, get behind your pastor. You can be seated. Amen. You don't need the bling bling. You don't need the tattoos. You don't need to have so many rings across your eyebrow you could hang a shower curtain. Come on now. You don't, let me tell you something. You don't even need a little sparkle and a little glitter. (laughs) We got all the sparkle we need. We got all the shine we need. I'm tired of the world telling us 
that we're always worried about the outside and that holiness is all about the outside. But Jesus looks at the heart and he knows my heart so the outside don't matter. You can be seated. The outside don't matter. And all of you holiness people, you're just emphasizing the outside. I'm tired of the denominal world. They've got it all twisted to telling us holiness folks that we're majoring on the outside. Because there's nothing about holiness that impresses man. It impresses God. Without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. Woo. Is this all right? Uh, you can be seated. Amen. Follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Now, peace is how you get along with people. But holiness is how you get along with God. That's the only way you're going to get along with God. He said, relationship with me, you want to get on terms with me, be ye holy, for I am holy. Two things the church needs. We need peace and holiness. And holiness is not about the outside. It's about the inside. Oh, thank you, Jesus. You can be seated. I'm tired of the ones that want to show off all the flesh. Telling us that our standards are about the outside. Oh, I'm, I'm wondering if I should say what I'm thinking about saying. <laughs> Woo, hallelujah. Because holiness does not impress people. Because the more holy that you are, the more flesh is concealed. So that the inner qualities can be revealed. If you're showing off flesh, you're not trying to manifest any inner qualities. If you've got sparkle on the hand and sparkle around the neck and sparkle around the wrist and around the ankle, you're not showing off qualities of the heart. You're showing off flesh. Oh, praise God. You say, well, the Israelites, they got all that gold and all that gold and all that, those jewels from Egypt. God gave them all that gold. You know what it was for? It was for the inside. You couldn't see any sparkle till you got inside. Because the tabernacle was covered over. 
it, it was covered. The tabernacle was covered. There wasn't anything about the outside make you think, boy, isn't that something? Isn't that great? Boy, isn't that great? You had to get on the inside. And that's what holiness is all about. It's covering up flesh. It's not being so off. It's not manifesting flesh. It's not drawing attention to flesh. It's, it's, it's downplaying flesh so that the qualities of the heart can be revealed. And that's why the New Testament said, let it not be the outward adorning, gold in the hair, and the adornment of gold, but let it be the hidden man of the heart that you're adorning with a meek and quiet spirit. That's what holiness is about. Oh, hallelujah. Mm. Hallelujah. You can be seated. Woo. You know, the world, they have their worship services. Oh, they clap their hands. Folks that look at us like we're crazy, they lift their hands, they jump up and down. They dance, they scream, but that's a God substitute. Hey Amen. When their hero takes the stage, that's when they worship. They scream like a Comanche at the ball games and go to church and stand like a wooden Indian. But I don't want anything to take the place of my God. Ooh, hallelujah. Amen. And it was because of these distractions and because of these substitutes that God would allow trouble to come up into the midst of Israel. And I read to you a, a passage of scripture that Isaiah was given to the people of Judah, the people who were the praisers, the people who knew how to worship. He was giving them a word and he was saying, God is waiting on you. God is waiting. Therefore the Lord will wait that he may be gracious unto you. A lot of times we preach about waiting on God, but when scripture says that God is waiting, we need to understand what he's waiting for. Amen. He was waiting on Judah. He was waiting on the praisers. He was waiting on the worshipers. And what he was waiting for was for them to wake up and realize my way is not working. I've got to get a hold of God's way. He was waiting for the disobedient uh, to come to their senses. And he was waiting for people who, who know better than what they were doing. He was waiting for them to turn around. I hope there's a young person here tonight that you get a revelation. That you get an understanding tonight that the misery of sin, the misery of sin is so much greater than the misery I feel at church when somebody hurts my feelings. The misery of sin is so much greater than my little bit of discomfort when the preacher starts preaching along the lines of where I've been living. That the misery of sin is so much greater than my offended spirit. Hallelujah. It's so much greater than the inconvenience of, of the pastor asking me to do something for God or do something for the church. Amen. I'm telling you, you can be seated. There's young folks, they get to look into the world and they think it's all fun and games and they think it's all pleasure and that it's all a great time. And I want to tell you, there is a devil that is after you and he's not after you to give you a good time. He wants to destroy you. Yeah. 
there's a, a tiny insect. I, I like to read sometimes about scientific discoveries and the work of bi biologists and researchers. And there, there's a tiny insect that's called the assassin bug. And it's actually a, a crafty little creature. It's, it's very, very crafty. It, it uses trickery and deceit uh, to find its prey. And and, and what it does with other uh, insects, especially ants, is that, that it, will, it will make its way across the path of an ant and, and uh, it, will, it will snatch the ant and then it will, it's got a little, like a little straw, it just sinks down into the shell of that ant and just sucks all the little vital juices and, and blood right out of it. And then, then it's got a little glue. Then it's got a, 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 a little glue that it uses, produces this glue, and it just, just covers this poor little pitiful ant with uh, this glue and puts it on its back. And after it's caught two or three ants, it just puts them right on its back. And before long, this assassin bug, this is why it's called that, it will crawl into an ant colony, and it'll have several ants piled up on its back. And the ants operate mostly by smell. So they come around close and say, smells like an ant. You know, has kind of has an appearance of an ant. And so the enemy is accepted in the ant colony. And so all the assassin bug has to do is just sit there and wait for some little unsuspecting ant to come, come strolling by. And he grabs it. Just sucks the blood right out of it. Puts another one. Another one bites the dust. <laughs> and the poor little ants never catch on. They just keep going to the ant graveyard. Because it, it smells right. It seems right. Doesn't seem to be anything threatening about it. And one after another, and all it has to do is just sit there and deceive all of the ants going about their business. Can I tell you, that's the way that the devil is. He'll use friends. He'll use relatives. He'll use people that are close to you. They'll tell, they'll tell you they're getting by. They'll tell you it's all right. They'll tell you sin's not going to hurt. They'll tell you you might as well do it. But I'm going to tell you, young people, you better stick with what is right. You better stick with what is good, what is true, what is honest. You better stick with the Word of God. You better stick with what your pastor preaches. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We are, we are living in a day that is challenging and we're living in a world that is calling evil good and is calling good evil. The challenges are great today. And uh, if, that's not, if that's not bad enough, the assassin bug, there's another little creature called the Porsche spider. And I don't think it looks like the car, but, but it's, it's called the Porsche spider. And it... it uh, it only hunts other spiders. And it, uh, spiders are very attuned to, uh, to the different strands of their web. And, and uh, they're very, very uh, tuned in. Any vibration or, or movement, that it, it signals dinner. It signals the prey is here. And so this spider knows that. 
And this spider will, 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 will visit the periphery of this spider web, this Porsche spider. And he's after another spider. And, and it, it would shake the web just a little bit and it would get the attention of the, the spider that, that has woven the web. And, and it gets its attention, gets it alert. And then it begins to pluck certain strands and produce a rhythm and produce a rhythm just pluck certain strands of that web and before long that host spider begins to doze off and it begins to play a rhythm like on the strings of a guitar and and the 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 spider that thought it was about to get dinner it, man life is about to look up Hey, it starts to doze off and gets lulled into sleep. And when it gets good and into a hypnotic sleep, the Porsche spider moves in and pounces. Can I tell you, we're living in a day that it is high time to awake out of sleep. It's high time to awake out of sleep. It's not time to be it's not time to be on autopilot. It's not time to let a service go by and you're just in a drowsy condition. It's not time just to be disengaged while the preacher's preaching and while it's altar call time and while it's worship time. It's not time to be lulled into a hypnotic sleep. It's time to shake yourself and realize I better live for God. I better get serious about serving God today. It's not time to feel like sin is no big deal. And what's the big deal about same-sex marriage? And why is the preacher preaching about it all the time? And, and what's, the, what's the big deal about what's going on in our world? You better wake up, brother. You better wake up, sister. Hey, man, it is time to shake yourself. Be sober. Be vigilant because you've got an adversary that's roaming around seeking who he can pounce on. Amen. You can be seated. You can be seated. Praise God. But I didn't just come tonight to preach to you about the challenges. I didn't just come to preach to you about what a terrible day it is. Isaiah said... Even though the Lord has given you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, yet shall not thy teachers be removed into a corner anymore. But he said, thine eyes shall see thy teachers. <laughs> Have you? Am I preaching to anybody that's had a rough year? Do I have to break it down what the bread of adversity is? It's been on my table. <laughs> Am I preaching to anybody that, that you've been through a rough time here lately? Oh, praise God. But Isaiah said, even though God let you go through a trial and go through a tough time, He's going to keep His will out there before you. And, and, and if you, God's going to keep the preacher right in your pathway and you're going to still be able to hear the voice of somebody that would teach you the right way to go. 
if you can hear the voice of your pastor, there's hope for you. If you can hear the voice of that evangelist and you can feel that conviction while the preacher is preaching, if you can feel that pull, if you, if you can feel something gripping at your heart while the preacher's preaching, there is hope for you. God has not thrown you away. If you can still feel something down inside uh, when the preaching's going on, uh, God's going to let you hear the voice that you need. That voice has not grown silent. Uh, it's going to help you. It's going to give you direction. God has not shoved you aside. There's hope if you can hear the preacher. Ooh, amen. Isaiah said, Thine ear, you can be seated. Thine ear shall hear a word behind thee saying, This is the way. Walk ye in it. And you've got to understand, these people, they were so desperate. They had been so beat down. It looked like Jerusalem was so desolate and so devastated. They had considered going to Egypt, one of the greatest powers of that day, asking for their help, asking for their protection, asking for Egyptian soldiers to come and surround Jerusalem, asking for an Egyptian presence in their city streets to give them some comfort and to give them some security. And this entire chapter 30 of Isaiah, God is saying, don't go to Pharaoh. Don't go to Egypt. Don't trust in the Egyptians. Don't trust in the world. Don't follow sinners. Don't follow the devil's plan. Don't look to lost people. Don't look to backsliders. Don't look to people who have walked away from God. Don't get your direction from the boss on the job. Don't get your direction from the professor at college. Don't get your direction from your high school teacher. Don't get your direction from somebody that you work with. He said, you need to get your eyes on me and you're going to hear a voice behind you. Ooh, hallelujah. And it's not Egypt that's behind you. If you trust in them, they're going to let you down. It's not an Egyptian army behind you. They're going to fail you. It's not in the power, the superpower of some Pharaoh type of government. It is, that is not what you need to depend on. They're not the ones behind you. They're going to try to destroy you. But let me tell you, you've got a God that's got your back. And it may look as bad as it has ever been. But you've got a God that's got your back. There's a voice behind you saying you can make it. You can handle this. You don't have to quit. It's not time to backslide. You don't have to fall for the things of the world. There's a voice behind you. Amen. You're not the first one. You can be seated. You're not the first one to ever feel low. You're not the first one to ever feel like and wonder whether you could make it. You're not the first one to ever get offended. You're not the first one to be in a trial that you wondered if you could take it anymore and how long that you could last. 
You're not the first one to have tough times. You're not the first one to have hurt feelings. You're not the first one to have your heart broken. Amen. There was a man by the name of Simon Peter that had his heart broken. At one day, he was one of the toughest. He was one of the chief of the twelve. He was standing there saying, Lord, I'm never going to leave you. They're not going, they are not going to crucify you. And just a few hours later, he was weeping bitterly. He was weeping bitterly. All of his dreams had crumbled. All he could think about was Jesus called him a devil. All he could think about was Jesus said, you don't have what it takes. You're going to deny me three times. And even though he vehemently denied that, that's what he, exactly what he ended up doing. But Simon, you don't understand. Even at your lowest point, you've got somebody that's got your back. <laughs> you got somebody, and it's a dark day, and it might get even darker. But let me tell you, you're just a few moments from getting a message that says, I want you to go tell Simon Peter to go meet me over there in Galilee. I still got something for you to do. Simon, lovest thou me? What kind of question is that? Well, I want you to know, he didn't say this, but there was a message in that that said, you might not have always had my back, but I've always had your back. And if you get a love for me that you should have, if you get in love with what I've given you, I can use you to preach. I can use you to minister. I can use you to baptize. I'll, I'll help you build a church that'll reach around the world if you just fall in love with me again. Amen. You can be seated. Paul was there. said, God, I don't know how much more I can take. God, this thing is hurting me. I don't know what it was. It's not important what it was. It was a thorn in the flesh. Something that hurt. And he said, three times I besought the Lord to take it from me. A messenger of Satan will not shut up. Will not quit talking will not quit pounding away at me, buffeting me, hitting me, blow after blow after blow. Anybody here ever had blow after blow from the devil? And you're thinking, God, would you call him off? God, would you give me a little bit of ease here? And blow after blow. Buffeting you, buffeting in your mind. I've been in some services I was so beat down. I, I couldn't hardly pick up my head. I, I've been so low. I, I, I wondered if God could ever use me. I, I'm telling you, I've been where you are. I've sat where you sat. And Paul said it was a messenger. It was a devil. And he wouldn't quit. He wouldn't quit. I, I, when, I, when I thought I'd been hit more than I could take, it hit me again. And I was so beat down. But Somewhere God stepped in there and he said, my grace is sufficient for thee. Boy, don't you ever doubt whether I got your back. Don't you ever doubt if they stone you, you'll get back up again and preach. If they leave for you dead, you for dead, you can get back up again and keep on trucking. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is evident in your life. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. 
When you've been so beat down, uh, you'll be able to get up and testify to somebody else. Uh, I've been there. Uh, I've been just as beat down as you. Uh, but if I made it, you can make it. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm winding down. John Revelator. John the Revelator. He said, I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation. Man, I was at one of the worst places I had ever been. John was on the Isle of Patmos. This was, this was a prison. This was a place of banishment. It's on the Isle of Patmos for the word of God. And for the testimony of Jesus. I didn't kill nobody. But they put me on Patmos. I didn't take any money from anybody. But they put me on Patmos. All I was doing was testifying. Preaching. Trying to win souls. Trying to do the will of God. And here I am. I'm on Patmos. Where prisoners are banished for life. And sentenced for the rest of their days. If there were any other people there, they were probably criminals or murderers. Oh, what a low place. I'm told that John's personality was such he would never say a word that would offend anybody. His personality, they called him the apostle of love. Every time he got up to speak, he would say, children, let us love one another. He would always exhort toward unity. He would always exhort not to offend one another. He was always careful with his words. They were always chosen, chosen precisely so as to not hurt or offend. And it's this John. It's this John. Never says anything out of the way. Never hurts anybody. Very careful about everything. And this is the man that Emperor Domitian has banished to Patmos. Oh, and John said, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. It didn't whisper. It, it, it wasn't just a little rustling of the leaves, but let me tell you something. I was as low, I was wondering, I was thinking about the tribulation, I was thinking about why I was here and the suffering I was going through, but all of a sudden, when I got in the spirit, I got a revelation of what was behind me, and it sounded out in my spirit like a trumpet. He might have been feeling bad about Emperor Domitian, but it wasn't the Roman emperor behind him. It was somebody greater. He said, I heard behind me a great voice saying, I am Alpha and Omega. Whew. The first and the last. Oh, he didn't need the Roman government. Not when you got the first and the last. 
He didn't need the emperor. He didn't need any of Rome's armies. Not when you got the first and the last and the alpha and the omega. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore and have the keys of hell and of death. That's the one you need to be behind you. Amen. Remain standing. Stand with me here. Come to tell young people who believe the lie. You know, I'm tempted by sin. I, I might as well go on out there and do it. You know, the way I've been treated by the youth group lately, I don't think this church even wants me around. I could find some friends out there in the world. You know, some of my, some, some of my old friends that don't go to church anymore, they're telling me what a good time that they're having. And... It sure looks like they're getting by. I want to tell you today, if God be for you, who can be against you? You've got everything you need right here in the church of the living God. I'll tell you something happened to me here a, 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 a few months ago. I was getting ready for Sunday morning service at the house. And I heard my wife screaming. And she was screaming, screaming, screaming. I run into the other end of the, of the house. And there was a little bird. Just a little bird. Flying around. Somebody had opened the door and the bird had flown in. And she's held up. Ah, get that bird out of here. So I'm the man. I'm the man. I'm going to take care of all of these predators that come against our house. So I started chasing the bird. Here I am. I'm trying to think. Brother Townley, I'm trying to think about what I'm going to preach and teach and I'm trying to make sure that we get there on time. I am the pastor, you know. I'm supposed to be there on time. And so I'm and finally my my wife leaves and and uh, heads toward church and I'm still finally I realize, you know, this ain't working. I just would like to Shooed the bird toward the open door, but it just wasn't working. I finally said, just, I'll leave the bird in here. And uh, I'm going to church, bless God, and forget all about this. So I went to church. So I came in from church, and, and I started looking for that crazy critter, looking all over. And at the front door, I found that little bird dead as a hammer. Dead. He was dead. I thought, man, that, that was that was easy. And evidently it had flown toward daylight through the window of the front door. 
I mean, I'm surmising. I, I'm not. I'm not a detective or a, you know, uh, animal deaths investigations or anything. But but I, I'm just surmising that it it and by that time it was it was stiff as could be. Rigor mortis. I'm telling you, it was stiff. So, you know, and around our country, we there there's there's ants everywhere. Ants everywhere. And so I figured I'll just kick it out the door and the ants will take care of it, you know. So I just opened the door, kicked the little bird out. Two or three days later, I'm doing something around the house and I look. And I figure, I mean, we have got some ants. They will take feathers. They will take the, the feathers right off a bird and just march off with, with them. <laughs> I'm telling you, there's some bad ants. But... But, it, but here, here, this bird, several days later, I didn't expect to find anything. It was intact. Look, look, just every feather was in place. And I, I'm thinking, man, the ants around here, they are falling down on their job. There is a wonderful opportunity here. And I look around, and I saw plenty of ants. And these ants, would they, they would come up. And I knew they could smell it. I knew they could detect it. They would come up, and they would come up only so far, and they would abruptly turn around. They would come up only so far and abruptly turn around. All over. Ants were coming only so far. It was like an invisible line. And then it hit me. There was an invisible line. See, there had been an exterminator come along, spraying around the house just a few days before. And the bird landed on the right side of the line. And I got a revelation that more powerful than any pest control with, with all of his chemicals to spray for insects, that there is a line around my life. And if I'll stay on this side of the blood, if I'll stay on the right side of the blood, the devil can only do so much. The devil can only get so far. The devil can only inflict so much damage. He gets so far and has to back up. I'm telling you, some of you, you need to get on the right side of the blood. You need to say, Jesus, cover me with your blood. I don't want this world to destroy me. I don't want the devil to take me. I don't want life to, to, to wreak destruction upon my life. Hallelujah. You better stay with the church. You better stay on this side of the blood. You better stay under the protection of Calvary. Hallelujah. You better look around at your youth group as the best friends you have. Your pastor and pastor's wife as the greatest gift God's ever given to you. This apostolic truth. Let me tell you, there's nothing better out there. There's nothing better out there. This apostolic church, this apostolic truth is the greatest thing. It needs to become beautiful to us all over again. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I know there's not room up here. And I know it's crowded. 
But I wonder if we could take just a moment and respond in prayer tonight to what we've heard. I believe the Lord has brought a word for some young person. Somebody here today, I know there's all types of battles being fought, all types of temptations and valleys being walked through and burdens being carried right here. But the Holy Ghost wants to give somebody strength in this place. Hallelujah. Why don't we lift up our voices for just a few moments? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Why don't you link up with another young person if it's appropriate and pray for them. Pray that God would give them strength. Young lady, if you'd reach over, pray with another young lady, young man, another young man. You may need to reach across the aisle to reach to somebody. God, cover. Cover this young person with your precious blood. I plead the blood of Calvary. I plead the blood of Calvary tonight. Woo. You can make it. God's got your back. God's going to give you everything you need. He'll send the right message at the right time. He'll send the right song at the right time. He'll send the right altar call at the right time. Come on, respond to God tonight. Let God renew your desire. Let God renew your joy. Let God renew peace in your mind. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, young person. Let God talk to you. Let God touch your mind. You don't have to backslide. You don't have to give in to temptation. You don't have to be another casualty. God's on your side. God's going to give you what it takes so you can make it. I feel his presence tonight. I feel his touch tonight. I feel his touch tonight. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, respond to the Lord. Respond to the Lord. Respond to him. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I see young people with tears flowing down their face. I see young people reaching up to God tonight. Come on, reach up and get a hold of it tonight. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. I know. I know his voice. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on, let the Holy Ghost move through you. Let the Holy Ghost move through you tonight. Thank you, Lord. I know his voice. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Sweeter sound.
choice would speak to me. It makes me rejoice. He still speaks. I know his. Come on, there's still people being touched right now. We've heard a word from the Lord tonight. He still speaks. Yes, he does. I know his voice. Oh, it's the sweetest sound ever heard by mortal ears. And to think that God by his own choice would speak to me. It makes me rejoice. He still speaks. I know his voice. And to think that God, by his own choice, would speak to me. It makes me rejoice. He still speaks. Shelorahabahoshada. I know his voice. Come on, let's lift our voices. Lift our voices to the Lord. Are you thankful? Oh, we've heard a word from the Lord tonight. Whoa, we've heard a word from Jesus. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Weeks. Amen for finding the mind of God. I, I feel like without a doubt... This man found the mind of God for this service tonight. Praise God. Now to our church family, we get to hear him again Sunday morning, Sunday night. We're going to continue just to celebrate this weekend. 23 years of victory the Lord has given us. And we're thankful for it. Amen. Hallelujah. I want to thank everyone tonight. Thank you so much, youth pastors, pastors, uh, Everyone that brought your young people, and I pray that uh, we've been blessed by you coming, but we pray you are blessed by being here also. Amen. Praise God. Immediately following the service, I'm going to let you go shortly, um, but uh, I have a commercial announcement real quickly. Amen. My wife has sold clothes. Everybody's selling clothes now, but my wife was doing it before everybody was doing it. She is the original, Felica Frio, all right? And uh, she started many, many years ago when we were evangelizing, selling children's clothes, and it helped, to, uh, helped her. And then here, as we have been in starts, we have taken all of these years 
and never personally profited. We put all the money, amen, that is made off of this, amen, into our uh, building fund and uh, the work of God. And so, uh, if you're in need, or even if you don't need any, you still, it don't matter. If you just want it, all right, amen, in the back in the fellowship hall tonight, Amen. What was the fellowship hall? We've moved that next door. God has blessed us, and uh, we invite you to come tonight to our beautiful new facility here behind the church. We have a multi-purpose building full uh, uh, with uh, gym, and you'll be able to play ball. If you if you want to be playing ball in the air condition, you can play over there. If you want to really sweat, you can go to the pavilion. I think the lights are on. You can play ball over there. Uh, but anyway. You can go to the back there, ladies, and, and shop till you drop. And then uh, for those of you, for us men, we're not looking for dresses. No, we're not, we're not confused around here about who we are. Praise God. No confusion. God ain't the author of no confusion. Praise God. Amen. And so uh, if you're confused and you've got trouble, go look at your birth certificate or just go look in the mirror. Do something, amen. You'll figure it out. All right. But anyway, at the gym, at the new building right here behind the church, we have for everyone, we have barbecue sandwiches. And I'm not talking about the stuff out of a can. I'm talking about good stuff, all right? Amen. Good stuff. Chips and drink don't cost you anything, all right? I just go get it. We'll serve till we run out. For the ministry, all the ministry, if you're a minister tonight, if you go to the building, immediately when you walk in the front doors, there's a set of double French doors. Go in there. We'll serve you not just a sandwich but a brisket dinner. But you got to go. You must be present to eat. You can't eat it if you're not there. God bless you. You're dismissed. <laughs>